Seven and a half years ago, in January of 2012, my mother passed away from cancer. One year later, January of 2013, I was diagnosed with cancer. Stay tuned, listen to my journey. So welcome to episode four of Holistic Christianity Podcast. Those of you who are listening, um, thank you again. Those of you who are new, welcome. It's a pleasure to speak with you, share some of the things I've learned, and I welcome to join you on the discussion. That sounds so awkward. <laughs> That's so bad. Um, I welcome you in this discussion, which um, feel free to text me, reach out to me via my social media, Holistic Christianity on Instagram, Michael Rett on Facebook with any questions or comments, or feel free to message me via the um, this Anchor app on the podcast. So, as I mentioned, I'm I'm a cancer survivor. It's it's the kind of thing that when you have cancer, when you beat cancer, or if you've know someone who's had cancer and beat it, or if you've lost someone to cancer, it it puts you in a league in a, in a group of people. Um, where if you haven't had that experience, you just can't understand it. It's like being a parent. Um, you know, my son is 20 months old now. And I didn't understand, because I couldn't, obviously, what it was like being a parent until I actually had a kid and all those things that you hear people say. Those Some of those things that are cliches, but some of them are true. So the same thing with um, battling a disease as deadly, as devastating, um, even as tragic as cancer. So in, uh, I forget exactly when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. She had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It might've been in 2010. She did have a long battle. Um, she went through a round of, you know, a couple rounds of chemotherapy, RCHOP, for the of who know, who understand what that treatment is. That is actually the treatment I also got because I had the same diagnosis, almost the same, almost the same exact cancer as she did. Um, so she actually, some of the cancer went away after the first treatment, but then eventually it stopped, um, stopped working, you know, that she couldn't beat uh, the rest of it. Uh, what, what ha had her found it was she, I think she was taking some vitamin D and she started not to feel well and something with the vitamin D, I don't know if it interacted or if she took too much cause it is something you could overdose on. Um, it's not like B vitamins where you can take as much as you want and it doesn't matter. And so she went to get checked out and they found um, the mass. So she started therapy and whatnot, you know, lost her hair and, and everything. And, you know, she fought. My mom's mother's a fighter. And then eventually near the end, she even said she went through one round. And I don't remember if she went through a second round, but she did of the same one. But she did go through, I think, 72 straight hours of chemotherapy where she just sat in the hospital and was getting chemotherapy basically pumped into her. What chemotherapy does is it kills everything. That's why, you know, one reason you lose your hair, you lose, you know, muscle, you have no energy. And that didn't work. So she, they decided to give her radiation as like the last ditch effort. And she said, I kind of, we kind of regretted having the radiation because I think that really just precipitated her tailing off so quickly, um, perhaps. But after the radiation and it didn't work, and I remember being in the hospital with her, Mars County General, Mars County Memorial, not General, 
um, which is also where I got my treatment, um, or at least some of my treatment. Um, great doctors there. It's in New Jersey. Um, despite New Jersey having such high taxes, um, we do have excellent hospitals. And I remember um, my, I called my sister and it's like, yeah, she didn't, the radiation didn't work or whatever. And my sister asked, well, did they say anything else? Did they say how long? I was like, no. So I went to the nurse, asked the nurse, I was like, is there a date, like how long she might survive until she had four to six weeks? And that was, I guess, in December. Wow. I went to another room, I cried for a bit. It was just me. You know, and I picked up and, you know, the staff was so gentle, so generous. And they were when I was there too. So on January, I believe it was January 12th or January 17th, 2012. I think it was the 17th. That was the day she passed away. You know, and several of us were with her. She was um, on hospice for a week in, um, where my sister was living at the time, this small kind of condo. And it was me, my wife, um... Our one niece, Christina, our, my sister-in-law, so my mother-in-law's daughter-in-law and her one son, other son, my brother Mark, and um, and my sister, of course, Michelle. And you know, she was breathing really heavily, and then that was kind of it. And I went over, I checked, and she was gone. And, you know, um, what happened, happened. I don't want to necessarily share how... Everyone reacted. I'll just say, um, I cry, but I was more at that time there for other people. My wife was very strong too for me, and I will say my sister took it the hardest. She's the only only daughter. Um, and you know, people said the people that are supposed to be there when a person passes are supposed to be there. And actually, our our one cousin was with us earlier that day. And I considered what was said, and then when my cousin left, I was like, this is it. And I just had the feeling. So, um, yeah, we, we um, had the services a few days later at Leonardo's Memorial Funeral Home in Florham Park. And they've, we've known them for years, and they've always treated our family very well, Joe Leonardis. And now his son, I think Victor, is one of his sons. They do an excellent job. So thank you. Shout out to Leonardo's Funeral Home. It's a weird place to give a shout out to, I've realized. But... You know, there is a there is a certain service aspect of treating respect, treating people well. And they've always done that. He was actually Joe was friends with my dad for many, many years. Um so yeah, the following summer, you know, I, we started doing CrossFit again. We had stopped for a little while. We joined CrossFit Red Shed, which I've probably mentioned before on here. Um and then like November, December, I started feeling really sick. I started feeling like, like a really bad flu. Um, so I wasn't working out as much. In December, it got worse. I was like drinking ginger ale and ginger soda and all this kind of stuff. My wife's like, why are you spending all this money? And I was just like, I don't, you know. So finally, I had the sense to go to my my phys- my doctor, my primary care, did blood work. He's like, he calls me. He's like, your, your kidney levels are really high. You're not like what a dialysis patient would be. He's like, you have to come back in. We have to do more blood work. I go back in. He's like, all right, you need to go to a nephrologist. It's a kidney doctor. So I went to see this. I remember her name. She was very, all my doctors are great. I'm so thankful for all of them. Um, and then she, so she does blood work. She does some other tests. And 
Um, they did it like a, an x-ray or some kind of scan. I don't remember exactly what kind. She calls me. She's like, we need to go put you in the hospital. <laughs> we need you to go, you go right to the ER. You're not even going to be in the ER. We're going to admit you right away. And this is at Marstown. And Raiders were pulling into like the parking garage at Marstown. This is like kind of surreal, me talking about this now, because it feels like another lifetime. Because this was six years ago, which is a long time ago, but it's not. Um, she calls me pulling in. She's like, they, there's a mass. It was so weird, I think, about her telling me that there's a mass. Um, so, you know, I don't even remember what else she said. All I remember thinking about was my mom a year earlier. So I hung up the phone. My wife was driving. So we get into the hospital. You know, hospital. They put me in a room. Initially, I'm on, like, the, the geriatric floor. They don't even have a room on the cancer floor initially. And, um, you know, that's its own experience because you're dealing with people with dementia and, and other, other the elderly type illnesses that elderly patients have. So eventually they moved me down the down the hall and I had a private room, which they didn't charge me for, which was very nice. Um, my kidney levels were so high that you know they needed to do a biopsy. But in order to do a biopsy, they have to inject you with something to see what they're looking at. They can't inject you with stuff unless your kidneys are healthy enough to be able to get rid of it because the stuff they inject you with is a bit, not like toxic, like chemical, like, like toxic waste, but you need to be able to get rid of the stuff. My kidneys couldn't do that because the, the the mass was on my ureters, and that's basically it's what you pee out of. It's connected to your from your kidneys to your bladder. Oh, so I, I was actually having trouble going to the back using the bathroom. Um, so I was in the hospital for eighteen straight days. What stunk was was a couple of days when my TV didn't work. Um, I could just hear it, so it's just like, oh my gosh, it is. It's so surreal, and you know, people visited me so many. Um, friend Jeff Wire from church. I'd barely, we had just recently joined our church. Um, he came, he spoke to me, the president of where I work, David Schroeder and his wife, Betsy Schroeder visited me. Um, our pastor, Pastor Brennan, who married my wife and I, you know, of course my family came and, um, what was so interesting is, and I'm not, um, minimizing what anyone else goes through. I just, when I, when I got into the hospital, they're waiting to bring my kidney levels down, and they can't diagnose me. They can't say it's cancer because they don't know for sure. They're like, it maybe could be this type of cancer. It could be that type of cancer. Um, they actually said the one kind, I think could, it could be like gonad, gonadal cancer or something. Like, and now I was like, oh, now I know where that term gonads come from. <laughs> uh, I remember telling my friend Mike that, and we started laughing. Um, you have to keep a, try to keep a sense of humor. But when I got into the hospital room, and I was like, this is not my time yet. And I know people. some people don't beat cancer. And some people do. And I was like, this is not my time yet. This will just be part of my testimony. And uh, eventually they got the levels down. Based In order to do that, I had to have you know, minor surgery. They had to put in, okay, they had to put in tubes into my kidneys to, you know, to connect my ureters so that basically I was peeing into tubes that were attached to my waist. Tubes that I would have to empty regularly, quite often. I don't realize how much like urine, you, like how much you pee. <laughs> um, and they had to give me what's called a Foley catheter, um, which no man wants, and I'll just leave it at that. So that got my levels down enough, my kidney levels down, creatinine levels, so they could do the biopsy. 
you know, and I came back and this and that. And um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, what my mom had, but a different subset, like a subgenre, so to speak. Like, okay, what's the treatment? So I went to Oncology and Hematology Associates. They were in Denville. So that, I actually got my, tr- my treatment in Denville, not in Marstown, but he was um, he had uh, visitation rights. I forget what the term is um, for doctors at Marstown. Jason Levitz, great, great physician. Intelligent, kind, gracious. Years and years later, obviously I've beaten it now. He says I'm one of his great success stories, which is it's so nice to hear. And like I said, I, I, I knew it wasn't going to get me. And one thing that helped was I had a lot of support from my, my wife and family, my church family. They did so much. I remember one day they came over and they put, we had taken the banister off of our stairs for, for a room, better room. They put it back on to help me get up and down the stairs. They brought, um, I, um, I think, an old kind of day bed into the downstairs in case I needed to be down there sometimes. You know, they really, people brought us food. People visited that I hadn't really regularly talked to and, um, and, and whatnot, you know, older friends. Um, this one girl, Amy, she lined that I, thank you, Amy. Um, she sent me a t-shirt cancer sucks. And she sent me like some care packages, like plastic forks because metal, like everything tastes like metal. So using like regular forks isn't good. And she sent me some other stuff too. I can't recall, but I still have that cancer sucks t-shirt. Um, she, she, we were friends. We both did theater. Um, and people were just great. You know, they, they really were, um, you know, as I was going through treatment, I stopped back at CrossFit one time. I think that, you know, Coach Pat and Janine were there. And, you know, they were happy to see me. And, you know, I wasn't as close with them then as I am now. And just um, the other thing, you know, obviously God pushed me through it. But I never saw myself as a victim, you know, very easily. And I've seen people do this who are ill that see themselves as victims. That woe is me. Look at what's happened to me. And, again, I'm not minimizing what people go through. You know, if someone has, like, when I most feel awful now is sometimes I get these blistering headaches. Very rare. Now I used to get them more when I was younger, like like 10 years ago maybe. Um, it's not really younger. Oh, well, yeah, younger. And I would feel awful. But with the cancer, it's not like, woe is me, I have cancer. You know, occasionally I joke about that. I think my wife got pulled over one time and she played the cancer card. Um, my husband has cancer. Um, but, um, and it can, and it allows you to connect with, you know, I was like, Oh, I overcome, I'm going to overcome this. And, um, you know, I guess I can overcome anything now and, and any of us can, you know, sometimes it's harder than other times. Some of us, you know, maybe don't have the support system that I was blessed with. Um, just like growing up, you know, I had a, a family that, I mean, not wealthy, not poor, but well enough to help me get to college. I know not everyone has that. Um, I know not everyone has enough money to like even feed their families. And we had that and some people don't have that. So some people have it harder. I heard a phrase, some people start off on third base. You know, I didn't start off on third base. Definitely not. Um, some people start off like they're not even on the big league team, not even in the dugout. They're stuck in triple A or double A. And, but the point being, you can still pick yourself up after anything. And, you know, you know, there's a cliche, God helps those who helps themselves. Um, I don't know where that comes from, but there's some truth in that, you know, God, and there's a verse it's in the book of Jeremiah. God wants his people to prosper. I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. But 
each of us, and even if you you know you don't necessarily believe in God, I mean, God still exists, and, and there's still a relationship there. Julia Cameron, in her book *The Artist's Way*, calls it um, synchronicity, kind of like the universe, how she calls it. Um, you know, she does believe in God. She just kind of uses that term as a catch-all. They put things in your path to kind of help you achieve and succeed in what many people call the vertical, a vertical relationship with God. That you know, it's very easy to blame God for things, but you know, each of us plays a role too to take the right steps, open the right doors, you know, go on enough job interviews, send out our resumes, network, meet enough people, go to the gym, start eating well. You know, if you're just complaining about the situation you're in, but you're not doing anything about it, it's not going to get any better. You know, it could be counseling. It could be going to um, a, a place of worship. It could be, you know, just starting to change your diet or exercising all these things are think each of us has a role to play. Each of us has something, a role, a part we need to play. You know, if Shakespeare's right, all the world's a stage, we're merely players in it. We're interacting in this great world. No, none of us is an island. We're meant to, we're built to be in community, built to be in relationship. Find that. You know, I mentioned some of my great communities, my church community, you know, my family and, you know, and CrossFit. Those are three big communities I have. Some of my coworkers, you know, I've been coaching track this year at American Christian School, uh, the discus and the shot. I did discus in high school. Um, I wasn't very good in the shot, but I can still coach that. Um, that's a, it's a great community there. And as I'm building community with these athletes, with these teams, the students, the other coaches, you know, it lifts you up. You know, just being and seeing people succeed, seeing people better, throwing a little farther, running a little harder, getting the technique a little bit better, um, gaining more self-confidence more self-efficacy, um, more self-esteem. All those things are very good things. And um, so let me get back to a little bit of my journey with cancer. So after I was diagnosed, I think it was early February, um, I started cancer treatment right away, um, something called RCHOP. Four or six hour session, once every three weeks for six sessions. So I saw my naturopath, told him, he gave me some advice. He gave me some stuff to do beforehand. He told me, he's like, here's some, take these antioxidants. Now they're telling me, don't take these antioxidants because it'll fight against the chemo. Retrospect, I still should have because it's so awful. Chemotherapy, you can't get out of bed. It's like, it hurt. And, and not to be gross, the constipation, you know, and the back pain that I had sometimes, you know, where you can't even move. Awful, awful. Um, I, that's the kind of thing you wouldn't wish on anyone. Um, started the first treatment. The first treatment's not that bad. You don't even lose your hair, my hair until like the second or third. Um, in fact, I remember when it started coming out and my wife, Lex, started crying. Um, I was like, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, went through two through four. After four, or maybe after three, my oncologist calls me. He's like, it's gone because they scan you like regularly. The cancer's gone. You're tech- I was in remission after four, four treatments. I responded really well to it. Part of it's because I was still relatively young, you know, 34. Um, but they still want you to go through treatments five and six. Naturopath even said, don't do five and six. Stop after four. Five and six were brutal. And what made it even, because then you're, you think of no energy then. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know how to describe it. 
you know it if you if you know it. Um, I don't remember if I was all done or still had to go through six. They changed some of my medication. I don't, or I asked it. To, I don't remember. To, it was an antidepressant. Changing antidepressant medication is dangerous. Mm, no. You have to be very, very careful. Better way to put it. So something like Paxil, which is what I was on. I think, no, I was on Pristique. I ended up on Paxil now. And I don't go for the whole Christian shouldn't take medication thing. It's, that's, nah, it's a load of, nah, nah, it's a bunch of malarkey. Uh, you, um, they changed it. I think to Zoloft. I start freaking out. The withdrawal from the one. I started having suicidal thoughts. I would go like serious, serious anxiety, panic attacks where all I wanted to do was die. And then it would calm down and then it would rise up again really quickly. It was off. I remember the specific day where I was lying. My Lex could not do anything. She was scared of a mind. My great friend Bill from church brought his dog Jackson over. We sat outside in, you know, in the grass. He was throwing the ball to, his, to, to Jackson and we just kind of talked you know, and then I don't remember how long that lasted, um, but eventually things got right. And then after it was over, you know, I started the slow build to getting strong again. You know, went back to CrossFit, um, uh, doing real. I was doing like the fifteen pound bar. You know, for really light, just to move, build up the endorphins and and everything. So now six years later. Um, things are great. You know, I'm pretty healthy. I eat pretty well. Um, I struggle with, with overeating sometimes that will be a future podcast. And, you know, I'm just very thankful. So no matter what my, my encouraging word to you as I leave you all is don't see yourself as victims. Whatever has happened to you first, God can use it. Great verse with the devil intended for ill. God can turn to good. If you let him, I added the, if you let him and that's, he did with me, he did with many other people I know, and he can with you again, if you let him, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Michael Rett, the holistic Christianity podcast, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on episode four of holistic Christianity. Again, we always welcome comments, feedback. Hook me up on social media. Send me a message via the Anchor Podcast. And we'll catch you next time. I'm Michael Rett.